I wore my suit today. <laughs> and I brought a whiteboard. <laughs> We're not messing around today, guys. We're not messing around. I, I honestly feel like the message that I have prepared for you today has already been declared in this place by what we sing, by the pastor's prayer this morning, by the, the testimony of our sister Tilly. Um, so I'm really just going to restate it for us, restate almost all that we have done this morning, uh, singing together the words about our God and about renewal and about recreation, all of these things. I'm just restating it, but I'm going to jump in here. I want to show us some things about the, how we worship together, uh, what we do when we gather in this place, how it tells God's story, and there's, I, I really believe God has something for us today to teach us about, about who we are and what we do when we gather in this place, and, and more than that, because it's not just about this place, but, but what I want us to see, first of all, the story always starts, and we sang about it a lot this morning, starts with creation. God's story starts with creation, the God who, who initiated relationship, the God who is himself relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that came into the world to, to create that relationship, and, and there was perfect relationship with God at creation, uh, oneness between humanity and God and within to each other and between all in creation. This was how God chose to meet us. And when we gather for worship, we touch on these things. Like I said, we sing about them, but we come into this place to worship God. We are here as followers of Christ, as Christians, believing that there is a God in the universe who created all things and that's who we are here to worship. Come, let us kneel before the Lord our God and our maker. He has made all things, and he made all things for this word I'm writing down here, shalom, wholeness, rightness, that all, of, that all would be well in the world. And we come into this place seeking that. I, I really believe that these moments of worship where God's people gather together, it, it's the closest that we get back into the garden. And, and follow me, we get glimpses of shalom. This is the gathering of God's people. God's design was that he would have relationship with his people, that he would commune with them, that he would walk and talk among them. And in a way, when we gather together, he walks and he talks among us by his spirit. And so we get the closest there. But, but what's the next part of the story? We all know the next part is what we deal with day in and day out is the fall where all of this, relationships with God, all of it was, was broken and shattered. And this is the reality that we deal with. But we bring this to our worship as well. So even as we did today, we come before the Lord to pray and we pray to the God of creation, celebrating him. This is a week of thanksgiving where there will be many prayers, thanking God for all that he has done, praising God. But our prayers also come with petition where we say, God, make right what is wrong in our lives and in this world. And confession, 
where we would confess our sins, we confess our brokenness, we, we recognize the world that we live in that is fallen. But that's not the end of the story, right, people? Because Christ met us with redemption. How's that green coming across? Oh, it's not so good. <laughs> Let's change to blue. Redemption. Can you see that? All right. This declares the crux of history, the cross of Jesus that has come into our lives to make all things new. And we declare it. We declare it as we gather for worship. We declare salvation. We declare our testimonies, our stories, even as we heard Tilly say, share about her life today. We, we declare it through sacraments. We've gotten the chance to enjoy that the last couple of weeks. And we declare God's word in this place where we come week after week to, to hear about the whole story, to open God's word and find that redemption. And that leads us, and I didn't leave myself much space, but the very last thing is recreation. That God is at work in us. God is bringing about transformation in our lives. That we would come before him for the renewing of our minds and our lives. That pastor's been saying, I love this word, Recharge, recharge. This is the recharging station. Is that right? Recharge. And you've heard us say many times that we are sent ones. We are sent ones. You've heard us say the real worship begins when we go out these doors. And this is, this is really, sent ones is where I want us to think and dwell this morning as we look at God's word. All of this the story, God's story of what he's done throughout history, it, it intersects with our worship and it forms us and it shapes us week after week as we gather for worship in this place. And that's no matter who we are, we're being formed and shaped. And even, even our kids when they're in here on the first Sunday of the, of the month, what a joy it is to know that they're being shaped, even if you look at them and maybe they're coloring or on a, on a cell phone. Uh, this generation loves the cell phones. We, we still, and whispering and all these things that might seem like distractions or it might seem to you like they're not paying attention. God is forming his people every time we come together for worship and we need to just keep that in mind. So this is our recharging station and we're charged up to be sent out. And, and I was thinking about this question if you were to ask me, Jeremy, as our worship pastor, um, how would you define what it means for us to be charged and sent out. How, what's a, I think there's something that God has for us in this, a, a, a definition. We've, we've heard it even this morning already, and I'm gonna get at this because I think there's part of who we are called to be that I hope we can see in a new way. And so um, I wanna start by looking at God's word. And so we're gonna open God's word. I wanna, I wanna do this a little bit differently. I'm gonna ha take us all the way to the end of the story, to Revelation, and and read some passages that work backwards from the end and, and our text is in Exodus. But first, before you stand for our text, let me read for you from Revelation 21, verse three. Revelation 21, verse three, it'll be on the screen. 
says this. Here's the ultimate vision. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. If we back up a little bit more, hit rewind, Revelation 5, 9 through 10. Look at this, 5, 9 through 10. It says, and they sang a new song to the Lamb, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them into a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Let's back up some more to the beginning of Revelation. Revelation 1, five through six. This is John speaking of Jesus, the lamb. He says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. Now there's one more verse before we get to the Exodus passage, but I wanna have us stand now. I want us to look at 2 Peter 2.9. Let's stand and remember that this is God's word. This is Peter speaking to the church. He declares our identity. He's, he's restating, it's a restatement of the passage that we're gonna look at today. He starts like this, but you are a chosen people. You, church. You are the chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And then we see the purpose statement, why that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And here's our passage for today. We're going all the way back to the book of Exodus, chapter 19, one through six. On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai. And Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. This is the word of God. And before you sit down, would you join me in prayer? Father, this is your word. And through it, you speak to us. So God, we come humbly asking that you speak to us, that you move in our midst. Give us attentiveness that we may learn 
that we may be shaped, that we may be convicted, that we may be transformed. Help us to see your desire for our lives, God. May the words of this feeble and frail and unworthy mouth, may it be pleasing to you, God. May this time build up your church for its work in the world and for your glory. This we pray in your name, amen, amen. You may be seated. So for our passage in Exodus 19, we would do well to, to remember how God has moved before we get to Exodus 19. And we can go all the way back to Genesis and see that the way that God has interacted since the fall with his people is to reveal himself to a particular people. And that is rooted in Abraham, the family line of Abraham. We find out that this is how God desires to be revealed and to reveal himself to the world. So you can trace God working through Abraham and his descendants all the way through when we get to the 12 sons of Jacob who would be renamed Israel. And they're in trouble by the end of Genesis. They, th this family line is threatened by famine, threatened to be erased. And yet God, we see that God has been at work surprisingly in the life of Joseph, one of the sons and he ends up in, in Egypt and, and God uses his story to rescue his people and so they've been rescued into Egypt. And then we fast forward all the way here to Exodus 19 and we're talking about in this first half of Exodus, not, no longer about just a family line, no longer about the, the 12 sons. Now we're talking about a much bigger group of people, many generations have passed. Joseph and that generation are virtually forgotten. The people have grown so big that they become a threat. They are enslaved and oppressed, and the Pharaoh gets to the point where he's reverting to methods of genocide and, and ethnic cleansing. No more males born means that in a matter of generations, the, the, uh, the Israelites are, are gone, essentially. And so we see this another threat for God's people. And God steps in and rescues them. And so that, that's all there in the first half of Exodus. God has freed them and released them into the desert. And they're in the desert and it's here of all places without a land, without shelter, without food and water except by God's hand. It's this place out in the desert that God first calls these people, his people, his nation his chosen people. He defines them in three ways that I want us to pay attention to this morning. I think that um, these words reach all the way to us. He defines them in these three ways, and it carries from, from Sinai to the words of Peter that I just read, um, to, to the words from Revelation. All of it ties together these three things, uh, and so here they are. Treasured possession, is the first thing that he says. And I put here the God who takes up possession in his people. The word possession, I want us to think about this word. We tend to think of the word possession in terms of ownership, and that's not wrong. I think it's important for us to see this. This God revealed his power and rescued his people and made them his very own. 
He says, I'm, I'm making you my very own. This, this fits our New Testament view of what, what God has done through Christ. Just as God's chosen people were, were rescued from slavery and death in Egypt, we have been rescued through Christ, amen? We have been bought by the blood. The apostle Peter, right before the, the, the chapter that I read, speaks of this, He's, he, that we've been bought by the blood of Jesus. We saw it in the Revelation passage as well that we just read. And, and Paul writes about the same thing in Corinthians. They use this language of being bought by the blood of Jesus. Purchase, ownership, all of this is a fitting understanding of what God has done for his people. But there's another dynamic that I want us to see, that God is unlike any other in this way. This unique taking up possession in his people. God says to the Israelites in the following chapters, I will dwell where you are. I will dwell where you are. God would come to take possession of the tabernacle and where his people went, where they moved, God moved with them. God would later take possession of the temple for a time, but it's always been God's design from the very beginning to restore Eden to restore this relationship. And so this is what God has been up to, to take possession of the hearts and lives of a people fulfilled in the church. We are to be God's dwelling place. His Christ followers become his temple. God dwells by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. God with us, his treasured possession, he takes residence in his people. He also calls them a holy nation, a holy nation, a people of God who are set apart for holiness. Now, every ancient civilization had holy people, um, but this is, this is so unique, and I don't want you to miss it. God's calling all of his people to be holy, not just a, a unique and special few. And in what ways are God's people called to be holy? In every conceivable way. Every people group at the time had a god or multiple gods that they believed in and they worshiped through ritual and deed. And how were God's people to be set apart? Not in any way like the rest. Not even touching, seeing, experiencing those ways. Set apart for God and for his work. We see the very next chapter, uh, uh, chapter 20 of Exodus is the 10 Commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. I am a jealous God. Holiness. And yet, look through the history of Israel, through the Old Testament, and holiness is fraught with failure. God's people struggle with holiness. That's the story of the Old Testament. The inability for God, for God's people to live holy, to keep God's covenant. Righteousness is so hard for them to find because righteousness is only found in Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, or even as we're just saying, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. 
And still the call for holiness carries all the way through scripture from Old Testament to New Testament. I wanna pause for just a second here. I was thinking about this and I'm gonna put my dad hat on. I'm thinking about being a, a, a dad raising three boys um, and trying to live in this world as Christians. Um, trying to, to guide my boys as they interact with friends and on social media and all these things and balance all, all of this. I've been, I've been trying to say this to my son. My oldest is, is 14 and I have a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. But the 14-year-old and I talk in the car a lot. And I've been trying, trying to, to talk about this. And buddy, he's right here. If, if I never said this exactly like this, and it, hopefully it's clearer, um, you know, because don't, we don't do this perfectly. But I've tried to say this. Any decision that you make that chooses God's ways as hard or embarrassing or cringy or nerdy or strange or difficult. Any decision that you choose where you choose God's ways over and above the ways everybody else is doing things will always be the better decision by far. It's, it's the choice that honors God. It's the choice it's the choice that leads to life. It's God's ways, the narrow path, the path to wisdom, the fear of the Lord. And we all strive for this, right? And we all struggle with this, right? I know I do. So for you in the pews, you online with us, for me standing right here, we are people set apart for holiness. This remains for us. The third one I want us to really look at is where God says, you are a kingdom of priests. Lives fully given for God's purposes. A kingdom made up entirely of priests. Imagine if the United States was made up entirely of priests. Instead of government and Congress, House of Representatives, priests. Judges, police officers, all of them are priests. Plumbers, electricians, bus drivers, garbage disposal specialists. They're all priests. Priests everywhere. What do you do? You're a caretaker, business owner, teacher, lawyer. Wait a minute, Matthew, can I, can I say lawyer? I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, lawyer joke. Sorry, my father-in-law's a lawyer. I apologize. <laughs> Here's your identity, people of God. Here's your identity. Foremost in our minds, foremost when we walk out these doors, you are priests of the kingdom. What does God mean here? This is the moment that he's first defining his people. This is their mission statement, their core values. Primary among them is that they would be a kingdom of priests. It ties together the other two. God's treasure, treasured possession because God takes full possession of their lives. And the lives of priests are set apart as holy. I wanna give you a definition of priests that I found and I really like it. This comes from James Arcady, 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 I don't know. 
He's from Trinity International University, and he says this, a priest is one who stands as the hinge of the cosmos, gratefully offering the creation back to the creator. Stands not at the hinge, but as the hinge of the cosmos, gratefully offering the creation back to the creator. It takes us back to this, that we recognize that we're all created beings and everything that we have is created by God. Everything that we bring to him, especially as we worship, all of this is created things. The songs, the words, the lyrics, everything that we offer to God, we come creaturely. We can't get away from our creatureliness. We can't get away from our fallenness either, but we come before God recognizing that this dynamic exists in our world and we have found the new dynamic of Christ in our lives. I, I wanna show you one thing that I think is also really crucial to think about. There's a chasm right here. There's a chasm right here in our world. This is the dynamic that most people are interacting with in the world. They're created whether they know it or not, they're created for something more. They're all longing for something more. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God put eternity in the hearts of humans. Uh, everybody has this longing to, to make something of themselves, to be something. And yet, everybody in the world is dealing with the results of the fall. Everybody's dealing with illness and brokenness and failure. We might try to ignore it, and, and, and they might even try to do some of this, looking for a maker out there, seeking after, trying to find ways to meditate and, and get closer to God, but they won't make it here unless somebody stands in the gap. Priests of the kingdom. Look through the whole of scripture, you'll find these three themes. God is looking for those who will stand in the middle and say, look at what your life can be. Look at what your life can be. And I wanna to say to you, if you're, not, if, you're not living into, if you're not living into the redemption of Christ and to what he offers for transformation and recreation, I want to say to you today, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. Look what your life can be. And so we have these three. We are God's treasured possession. God is with us. He has taken up residence in us. We participate with God in his work as a holy nation, set apart to be holy as he is holy. And we serve his purposes as priests of the kingdom, making his glory known everywhere we go. Let me just read those again. We are God's treasured possession. God is with us. He has taken up residence in us, we participate with God in his work as a holy nation, set apart 
to be holy as he is holy. We serve his purposes as priests of the kingdom, making his glory known everywhere we go. This is true in all of our diversity, coming from different backgrounds and generations, each with different abilities and disabilities, with different things to offer the kingdom. Seen and unseen, known or unknown, you, what you have to offer may not even be known to you. It might be a mystery to you, but you're all in when you come to Christ. You're all in. You're all priests. I want to make two final points before we close by singing together. I want to make two final points. God's people gathered at Lake Avenue Church. If you want to see God move, if you want to see God move, if you want to see revival, Don't come into this room expecting it to happen from this stage. Not, it's not gonna happen from the organ pipes or the drums and guitars or the, the orchestra or the choir. Don't come into this room expecting it to come from this podium or from any pastor who stands before you. Don't come looking for celebrity priests. The role of pastors and teachers and leaders and worship leaders, all of these are very important for the church. It's all part of the body of Christ. We all serve different functions, don't get me wrong. But these roles are meant to empower God's people. That's what this is about, to, to, for you to be recharged as we gather for worship. If there is going to be a movement of God's spirit, it will only happen as God, sit, God sees fit to move in and through you, his people. We can't manufacture something from here. It's gotta be as you, his people, live into, live out in such a way that others might be drawn into and see God. All of you, priests of the kingdom, let this sink in. If you want to see revival, Step into your identity, live it. This is the charging station. We are all meant to be priests, so go and live as priests. And the last point I wanna make is that over and over and over again throughout scripture, all the way from the beginning where God's desire was to dwell with people, God's desire when he made, when he made Adam and Eve was that they, as image bearers of God, they would be fruitful and multiply, that they would multiply God's image in the world. It's meant for the whole world. And then God chose a people, and he meant for this people to, to multiply around the world, that God's name would be made known. He tells Abraham that, that he's gonna use his line to bless all people, and we see it again and again. There's a constant call constant call on God's people to express God's glory to the whole world, to all people, before all creation, that all might come to glorify him. We are not priests for our own sake. We are meant to live it out 
in such a way that others might be drawn into and see God and step into their true identity as priests themselves to break over this wall. Do you want to see revival step into your identity? You were made to make him known. You're a priest as you walk out these doors. The worship team's gonna come up. Um, we're gonna sing, again, as I, I said at the beginning, we've, we've given the message in a lot of ways um, throughout the service. I tried to, to pick a song that, that touches on this story, and so you'll see themes as we sing and respond. He's taken us from darkness to light, from fall to redemption, the cross of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. It brings us to this purpose statement again from 1 Peter chapter 2, where he says, our purpose is to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we sing, praise the Father. Praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty. Praise forever to the King of kings, the King of kings. Would you stand, would you stand?